Welcome to the AI Learners Lounge. I'm your host, Cambria, and this is a podcast where AI meets learning and development. From exploring how AI facilitates individual learning to understanding its integration into broader organizational strategies, we tackle it all. Every episode brings fresh perspectives, innovative ideas, and actionable advice for those looking to weave AI into the fabric of the modern learning experiences. Join me as we navigate the intersection of technology and human potential right here on the AI Learner Lounge. Hello and welcome back to episode 12 of the AI Learner Lounge. And today is a special episode because we're having our first ever guest here with me today. And our podcast, we cover a lot using AI with learning and development, but it's so easy to get stuck in our instructional design and our learning and development bubbles, which is why I invited somebody outside of our industry, Warren Wallet, to join me for this episode. Now, she's not in the learning and development field, but she does have a wealth of experience in the marketing field and with AI. So I've asked her to join me today so that we can get some inspiration to hear what marketing, one of the earliest adopters in AI as an industry is doing so that we can learn from their efforts and see how some of it might apply to us in learning and development, both as we offer our different courses and our trainings to our learners and to ourselves as learning and development professionals who may be in a freelance role or outside consultant role, not necessarily in an organization. Now, Lauren has over 18 years of content marketing expertise, and she's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. She's also the solo founder of Creatic SaaS, the world's first prescriptive AI super tool, and her company Malva Media is doing the social media for the AI Impact upcoming conference, which I'm so excited about. So welcome, Lauren. It's really great to have you here on our AI Learner Lounge podcast. And before we get started, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience about yourself? So the the thing which sets me apart, I think, from most marketers, aside from the fact that I'm South African, so let's just start with my accent in case everyone's wondering what that is, but that's <laughs> not it. Um, I come from a performing arts background. So everything that I do in business and in marketing comes from an understanding that there is an audience and that we're there to create a relationship and engagement and there's an energetic exchange between everything that we put out there. And that fundamentally, all business, so whether it's L&D or marketing or AI, is about humans. It's about people. Business is nothing without people. It's for people. It's by people. People literally buy. So although we're all in these different verticals, I think understanding that fundamentally this is about human connection and how we best support and elevate others really just levels the playing field in terms of there aren't really these different barriers to entry and it's not as complicated as you make it out to be. It's quite simple. Can you connect with others? How do you do that? Do you know how to connect with yourself? So I just want to preface what we're going to discuss with that understanding because everything's going to go back really to people and then an element of performance of that heightened way to engage with others. Thank you. I really love that. I think especially with AI now becoming so prominent, having that human connection. I think that's so important. So I'm really glad you shared that with us. 
So let's just start our conversation. How are you applying AI in marketing? And how has AI changed the game for content creators and marketing? Has it opened up different opportunities? Absolutely. So back in 2016, I was an associate for Techstars, and then I became their official pitch coach. So I worked with all the founders on getting them performance ready for demo day on talking about what their products were, were and their solutions. And it was in fintech, so very dry, um, a lot of highly intelligent people in their head, not really in their body. So we were we were doing a lot of performance style work then um, with very complicated subject matter. And back then, the biggest difficulty that I had was there were so many different companies with various things they needed to advertise and market. But it's like, how do you do it with social media? What are the best ways? Um, how do you translate traditional marketing to apply to, to be industry agnostic? And it was then that I had the idea of, if only I could scale what I did intuitively as a person and then creating these services, if there's only there's a way I could do that at scale across industry and do the work for these founders that it didn't cost a fortune. Like I didn't even have the language for it, but I knew that I needed to connect a bunch of moving parts that I was doing intuitively as a marketer. What I wanted to do then is what AI does now. So when I finally decided at the end of last year, I'm going to create software that is your all-in-one content marketing solution that's going to forecast um, a content marketing plan, just like we create financial forecasts, ChatGPT was just coming out. So it was like divine timing. So when ChatGPT came out, I was like, oh, this is even more accelerated growth. I can have the fundamentals of connecting all the dots between these various parts to create like a baseline of brilliance of the standard of content marketing from auditing software and going through data points. But then if you know how to extract the most relevant data, what AI can do is it can just then create all the marketing deliverables for you. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have to try and train a large language learning model on all my own thinking to get it to apply these insights into a content forecast plan. But now we've got so many options with Claude and Llama and ChatGPT. And if you know how to work with AI tools like that correctly, you can actually get really outstanding output. But you have to know exactly what you want. So for me, the biggest thing now with AI, with all these models is, yeah, it's changed the game for content marketing, but it's only changed the game for people who want to speed up processes that they assume are standard practice. So in social media is inundated with marketing experts and gurus, and everyone's like, just template this, copy my sales script, do this. What AI, or like ChatGPT is doing now, is it's expounded that. Like, you just get that a million times over. But you've got to stop and ask yourself, what is the point of speeding up a process that fundamentally is flawed and doesn't work? So there is a lot of crap online now with AI. It's like, oh, let's just churn content faster. Let's just make more. Humans don't even need to do this. Let ChatGPT come up with it for you. But ChatGPT is trained on the summation of all the data points that has already existed. It's generic. So it's compounded generic drivel and it's just mushed it together and then being like here's the most basic marketing plan you could possibly have here's the summation of all the parts into like the middle line here you go and everyone's like yeah yeah I'll use that no that's absolutely what you should not be using so it's like the, the standard is below average because it's average and as a marketer you're always looking for what hasn't happened yet 
what's exceptional, not just a photocopy. Like you have to have something more. There's a place for best practice, but best practice is not average. So what a lot of AI is doing is just giving you average. Like, oh, I I like all this generative AI stuff. I want to create a company uh, for candles. I'll write candle company and then it'll just splurge you out a bunch of images and generic caption. But who's going to buy that? Where, what's the story behind that? Who's the creator? How do I feel about interacting with that product? Like, we don't just need a bunch of bad ideas done quickly. So I think we had a really interesting time right now where people are super, super excited about the speed, but the quality needs to be considered because the quality isn't good. So that's why I'm excited for a tool like Creatrix, which is prescriptive AI. It's not just taking predictive analytics and generative AI, but it's taking creative direction. And it's combining all of those with audience sentiment. And it's a super complex model that then gives you something that's outstanding as related to you, the individual, to the brand. So we need to actually connect a lot more dots to get something outstanding than just speed up a bunch of things on their own. So what I'm interested now to see is how do we start connecting relevant pieces to a puzzle to make the whole greater than some of its parts instead of just have a whole bunch of parts going really fast, going nowhere. So like, yeah, that's a very long, complicated answer, but I hope you know what I mean. Like, it's just not as simple as faster, better, done for you. You need to know what do you want? And I think what artificial intelligence has done so brilliantly is that the intelligence is there, but what's the desired outcome? So you know you can solve the problem, you can solve it fast, but what's the ideal state you want to get to? Because that is going to determine how you reverse engineer what it is that you're asking for. And the answer can't be, I want it fast, because that's done. It's got to be beyond that. Yeah, I really like that. I think for us in learning and development, we see a lot of content on social media saying, here's a prompt to make your course outlines. Here's this to do your storyboard. And if we don't use our expertise and be able to kind of fuse that with AI, then we are going to get that generic content that you talked about. So I think having that mindset that we're not trying to do things faster, we're trying to do things better and and do things that we couldn't before. I think that's so important for that. So I think with that, I just wonder, are there some lessons that learning and development professionals can take away with not just what marketing as an industry is doing, but what you're doing as well as we look at AI and how we're using it? Yes, understand what people want. What are their desires? And what AI is showing us is that we're more than just productivity machines who can, that we just want to optimize our day and be more productive. We actually have desires and dreams far outside of that. And our dreams and desires aren't linked to demographics either. So it doesn't really matter whether you work in corporate or you work for yourself or you're a multi-trillionaire or you're a student just starting out. You have hopes and dreams that live inside of you that are that exist irrespective of demographic or current status or bank balance. So if you can tap into those fundamental desires, just like a truly great artist does, which is why we have books that stand the test of times and songs that are universally attractive to people all over the world. If you can tap into desire, you're going to create a much more interesting course or training program or business organization or product or service, whatever it is, you've got to go to that. And that means undoing a lot of the training that we've been told is standard practice. So Humans are not problem-solution robots. 
But if you looked online, that's what you would think. You got a problem? Let's solve it. You got a problem? Let's solve it. Like a video game. Like that's definitely not how we exist. There are so many other reasons why we do things. And things have been flatlined and simplified where it is far more complex on one hand and nuanced and also far more simple on the other. So just even this idea that we are so different if you have a job or you don't have a job or you're a man or you're a woman or you're this age or you're that age, we all experience the same emotions. Tap into those emotional wants and needs and you can connect to people globally irrespective of these bizarre demographics and boxes, and you'll have far more success in the thing that it is that you're creating. So there needs to be a paradigm shift of understanding our humanity. And when you access that, things get a lot more interesting. Yeah, thank you. I really like that. I think sometimes when we create our courses and we're looking at our learners, we're not always connecting to what they need. It's more focused on the behavior that we want to see rather than kind of that change management aspect of why do you need to do this? And why is it relevant yes. to you? So, yeah. yeah. And what are the intended benefits beyond just getting that thing done? So say you save time in your day or whatever. That's a huge one. Save time, save money. But what do you do with that extra time? Because if you're going to use that time, just doom scrolling on your phone, because you're so exhausted because you just learned how to condense your time and work hard and fast. And then you're doom scrolling or binge watching TV. Did you really need to save your time? Maybe you should slow down your day and take five hours doing something and and fill it with so much joy and creativity and attention that it fulfills you. And at the end of the day, you're not drained. You actually are supercharged and go out and create something more. So there's just other ways to do things. We don't need to hack our way through life and just make everything fast. Maybe it's how about you slow this down? How about you take more time with us? Maybe don't condense a project yeah, take longer. Like just things that basically whatever you think it is, try the flip mode and that that will get you closer to what people aren't saying and what we truly want. Because everyone's saying the same thing and the same thing isn't working. Everyone around the world is stressed out, we're exhausted, we're terrified, we're lonely. In the state of like it's like the, the the sky is falling and we're all just going back to work and having another coffee and crunching the numbers. Like there has to be more to life than this. So if you can tap into just some human truths about our experience, then doing the things we need to do to survive and work and make money can be done in a different way. It just doesn't need to be done the way it's always been done. Yeah, I think that's so important when we think about AI. We always hear about how it's going to do things faster and you're going to save this much time, but we never think about what to do at that time. So that's really helpful just to put it in that perspective and see how are we filling up that space? What's truly important for us to be doing, not just as a company, but individuals too, because we all have our own lives. So I really like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, and just for my, for my personal life, what's happened is I moved to New York in January this year to set up my company. And I was like, I'm going to hit the ground running in three months. Watch me. I'm going to own New York. I'm going to take over. Like, you know, totally delusional. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm going to do this thing. And I built the MVP and it works. And it worked so fast that I actually had to learn how to emotionally regulate to the speed of what it was that I'd created. Because it does work that I used to do in two weeks, in two seconds. That's true. But then when I have all the answers in front of me, so basically just to give some perspective, what my tool does is it audits any account in the world, any social media account. So you can plug in the information and within seconds, it's sifted through every single post and it's given you a visual audit of those top 10 posts. 
So you can see what the audience has deemed their favorite. So you understand audience sentiment. You can add a few notes and then from then generate your content plan or trend forecasts or predictions, like pretty much anything you can think of, you can do because you have the answers. So you know this is the best. And then you get to go, now what are my questions? So you move back. But there are so many questions you could be asking. So then it becomes that overwhelm of, oh my gosh, I have the answer. What do I want to know? Do I want to know what, for example, what um, collaboration Coca-Cola should do next? Yes, I do. Okay, I did that. I got it. I was able to figure that out. It's a collaboration with the gaming community. Do I want to know their product design? Yes, I do. Turns out that's multicolored Coke cans. Great. Creatrix predicted that. They then launched that was what was happening like a few days later. Do I want to know what Kim Kardashian is going to do with the fact that she's trending hot pink? Yes, I do. Turns out Skims launched a hot pink range. Like it's like it's all there, but you have to know, you have to know what you're looking for when you see the full picture. So what really do you want? What's the most interesting way to explain that information and share it in a way that's not completely overwhelming? And how do you apply those insights to something that's relevant, not just for the person you're auditing, but for the person who's reading that audit? What can they learn from Coca-Cola or from Kim Kardashian? Or how does it apply to all the other people? Like, what can we learn? So it's like these questions start to become quite philosophical. And that's what really overwhelmed me. Like, oh my gosh, there's so many options here. But then because I was able to do it so fast, I personally had so much more time on my hands. So then I was like, well, my work is done. I've literally backlogged 25 different audits. So many different things are created. I can't, I've got like five different Instagrams. I can't even get these out fast enough. It's too much. I've got to just let this be fed out there. But with my time, what do I want to do? And it turned out, I was like, I think I'm going to go to London and spend time with my sister. So now I'm in London, swimming in Hampstead Heath, going for walks, studying theater, spending time with my sister, because there's only so much you can really put out, even if you do have multiple accounts like I do, like before it just starts to be 24-7 inundation. Mm -hmm. Like, so with that, like my entire lifestyle has changed. I didn't think this was an option to have this much spaciousness, but I had to be super clear on what it was that I wanted with this free time. Otherwise, what I would be thinking is, great, more time to work. Like, but yeah. that's not, I don't want to do more work. I want to do less. Yeah, I think you just saying that when we talk in learning and development in our industry, there's a lot of talk about what will you do with your time? So if you can create a course faster, then that gives us more time. A lot of what we overlook is our needs analysis and that upfront assessment, understanding what the performance gap is. Is it truly worth closing? What is the actual cost for these performance gap is training the requirement. But what you're saying here is that AI can help us with that too. It's yeah. not just something that we're going to be spending more time in this area. It's eventually, maybe not right away, but AI is going to be able to tremendously decrease the amount of time that we spend on needs analysis and help us understand our learners and take all this data that we have and not necessarily predict, but analyze in this case and find and, these gaps are. Yeah. And do it for you. And maybe it's the person doesn't need to learn to do it. Maybe you have an AI tool that does it for them. So if you identify what they need, you can create something that gets it done and it's done. But then it's like, well, what does the person do then? And that's why creativity is so important because that's where our imagination comes in to dream up things like we dreamed up AI, like to dream up the next thing that we want to do. 
And my personal hope is that this next thing is a reclamation of our humanity, is more time spent in deep philosophical conversation, connecting one human to another, not being like, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, I, like just like little robots. Like that's why I find LinkedIn mm-hmm. such a weird place. Like everyone's speaking in this bizarre language. And I'm like, I know you're a human. Like I know you laugh with your friends. I know like that there's a person there. Why are we all acting? The only place we should be acting is the stage. And it, and it should be way more entertaining than the weird corporate business play that we're all doing or pretending that we know what we're doing and being professional and just these bizarre tropes that we buy into. I hope that with AI, AI can do that and we can just get back to something more interesting. Yeah, I think we definitely have a lot to learn from just everything marketing is doing because learning and development is always a little bit behind, but I know we will get there. And one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on this podcast is because I really value learning from other industries like marketing or even gaming. They do a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff when it comes to just simulations and other things that we can be learning from. So I'm really curious to know, are there any industries that you follow closely or you've been inspired by when it comes to AI? I look really closely at like what Hollywood's doing um, with actors and things because that's my personal like I'm really into the performing arts space and I don't think that should ever be replaced by AI. That's the only part where I'm like, wow, this is a little bit horrific. Like I, I, usually I'm so pro everything AI. I think it should be doing all the grunt work for us. But when it starts to infringe on artists' rights and things like that, it's weird. I think it's funny when they have like voice cloning with artists and making up songs. And I think there, there's a novel ap- application which can be fun, but it, like AI should never be replacing performance at all I I don't get that so while in the beginning I've played around with a lot of generative AI tools um I mentioned to you before we started this like I had a podcast but I would just do um my second podcast I just used to read my um well now what's the word blogs I used to read my blogs I found that incredibly boring to do so I was like oh I'll get a voice assistant to just read it for me I did a couple of experiments like that, but no one liked it because it's not a human. So I thought I could outsource things I didn't like, like me doing videos about my upcoming blog, and I could just get AI to do that for me. But it doesn't work. Like, it's actually not good. You can get it, but a human still wants a human. So what I then had to do is go, if I don't, if I find this video boring to make, how can I make it more entertaining for myself so that I do want to make it? And then I have more chance of engaging with people than just going, this is a grunt work task. How can I outsource it? So what I'm hoping that this will do is we should be playing with these different things like automating human tasks. But ultimately, my hope is that we realize we shouldn't be automating things we don't enjoy. We should be finding ways to enjoy things more. Like, find a way to like it. If you don't like being on camera, maybe the solution is not to get an AI version of you to do it, but to find a different way to show up on camera, to find something else, work with artists who do enjoy it, create an animation or do something super creative than just having the solution, which is a robot can do it. So I guess that's a mixed answer. Like, yeah, I'm looking at Hollywood, but I'm also seeing a lot of ways not to do it. The industry that I find it the most interesting for me is with like data analysis that I found really great of cutting through all the clutter. Again, if you know what it is you're asking for, it can sift through so much data and bring you to those results. 
And also because that's what I'm close to with my prescriptive AI tool. It's just, I love how fast that goes. And then I get to do the part that I love, which is looking at the results and dreaming up how to make this even better and elevated in the future instead of me draining my day, crunching numbers. Like, I don't think any human should be crunching a number. I think it's a terrible idea. (laughs) Yeah, I really like what you said about not just looking at how to outsource things, but looking at the best way to show up. I think with learning and development, we have our AI avatars now, and it's not necessarily us. It could be just um, one that we select online to do in our training content. And we haven't really had the research or the conversation yet to see how our learners respond to that. What situations is it okay to use those? What isn't it? When do we really need to be there as a facilitator and have that dialogue instead of putting out an AI avatar that's representative of us, but it may not have that same connection. So I think that's really helpful for us to think on. And Yeah, and also, also with that, like maybe there's a learning circle or maybe people get together and um, the class is done live. I know for me, I've run Create Business Academy for a bunch of years. And the, the thing people love the most is, yes, I have the evergreen example where you can go and just do everything at your own time. But a cohort where there's a group of people and we get together, the community is everything. And bouncing ideas together or discussing one-on-one is so much more worthwhile. Just even the referrals you get from that community. So especially in learning places where you're learning, learning in a collective is a really enjoyable thing. So if everyone's gathering with their coffee or their tea in the morning and discussing something together, that may be far more actually optimized than optimizing a course with a bunch of AI, um, you know, with avatars and having bots that explain the PDF for you and this and this and this. It's like so much extra complication where you could just have one-on-one. And an example of this with just technology, I, I saw it with, um, where are you based in the world? I'm in Washington State, America. Okay. So I was in LA. You probably got them there too, but you know those sprinkles cupcakes? Mm-hmm. Do you? So I went to at the Grove, I wanted a little cupcake in the evening and I go there and they have some, I don't know why they did this, like a cupcake is the most simple, delicious thing, but I feel like some tech bro got involved and suddenly it's automated. So I've got, there's a person standing there, but I've got to go to a screen, sift through hundreds of examples to find my one cupcake. I don't want it in a pack. I don't want it in a box. I don't want all all these things, click it, pay with my credit card, and then goes to the screen when I could have just said to the person, that one, please. And they could have handed it to me and I could have had it. Instead, it's optimized the process and it just wasted my time, irritated me, was this bizarre interaction with the screen with too many options that I don't want. I know what I want. I want the cupcake. But I had to go through this whole optimized process, which was a disaster. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot of that with AI. Overcomplication to simplify with the simplest way is often just like now, I'm talking to you. It would be better if we were even sitting in the same room. That would even be so. Like it's like you, you can't get that. You can't get a vibe or a energetic exchange from a screen. So why are we trying to make everything like? Why are we trying to make everything on a screen so we can get back to what more screens? Like it just. I sound like I'm getting angry. Maybe I'll just calm myself down. But yeah, I just there's so many things that just seem completely absurd. And I'm hoping that AI is going to show us the absurdity of what we think optimize looks like because it's not the case. Yeah, I love that. What does optimize look like? We have that a lot in learning and development. With We have a course catalog, and if you want to learn about data analytics, there's 50 different courses for that. And how do you know what's the right one for you? Because it's not tailored to you. It's not tailored to your role. 
And with people churning out generic AI created content, I think that's going to be an even larger problem. So having that social aspect of it, being able to have those conversations to figure out what our learners need and even just social learning, like you said, the cohorts coming together to have those conversations. For me, learning AI, that's been the most helpful for me, just having different groups I can go to and talk to. And some of it's face-to-face, some of it's just a chat conversation, but having real humans has been really crucial to me um, in my learning experience for it. Absolutely. Learning from another person's experience, their strength, their hope, way more powerful than learning from a bot or something that talks to you. There's a there's a term called collaborative consumption that was coined by a woman called Rachel Botsman. She's from Australia. And I was really into the collaborative consumption movement. Um, an example of that is like Uber or Airbnb. You know, when we saw the surge in access versus ownership and her best example was you don't need a drill to get a hole in the wall to hang up your painting. What you want is the hole in the wall, not the drill. The drill you get, it's a means to an end, but then you've got to store the drill. It has idle capacity because it's just sitting there. It's expensive. And she spoke about things like a collective tool shed, where if everyone in the neighborhood or the block of flats shared a drill, you would get what you wanted, the hole in the wall, without having all the other things. And especially in America, we see it. There's just so much consumption and everyone has everything individualized and for their own. There's such a lack of community, which is just really fundamentally what we desire, that I think what AI is giving us is drills and lawnmowers and boats and things and clutter. And it's like, you want the hole in the wall. You want to get from A to B. Do you even need a car? No, not really. I mean, I don't even have a car anymore because I don't need that. So we've been told that we need these things that we actually don't. And I think AI is going to make that extremely apparent. Yeah, I love that. I think really thinking about what we truly need, especially when it's so easy to have so much now that we have AI. I think that's really crucial, especially not just for us as learning and development professionals, but for our learners too, and really thinking about them and how we're presenting things to them. Now, another reason that I was excited to have you as a guest is because of your work with the AI Impact Conference. And it's really interesting to me because it's a marketing conference, but you have such a great range of speakers from different industries. So I'm in learning and development. And I was really surprised when Haley invited me and asked me to join because I'm not in marketing. So I had to pause a little bit to question why she wanted me there. So I just wanted to see if you could talk about your goals for bringing all these different speakers from different industries and different attendees from all these diverse places together and what the goals are for that. Yeah, I think Haley is just such a brilliant catalyst for for AI in general. And she's the first to say that she's not an expert in AI, but she has been an expert in change management and she knows how to deal with people when they're feeling afraid of massive change. So she is like the AI fairy godmother that's turning pumpkins into carriages and bringing us all along for the ride and created this conference that all of us from very different industries can come together and see how AI is affecting everything from marketing to business, to learning and development, to to travel, to finance, to politics, to everything, journalism. And she's created this space where we can all have this discussion because no one is an expert yet. I mean, there's some people who've been studying this for years and years, but it's changing so rapidly. And there's so many different approaches to it and applications that this is a great way to discuss how individuals are using it and to learn and grow from each other. 
and start to get clear on what do we want to happen for the future? Because I always think the best way to predict the future, which I spend a lot of time trying to do, is to create it. And you create it by speaking it into existence. You have a vision that is so much more delightful from what, what the current reality is that it incentivizes people to come along from the, for the ride. And then you just create what it is that you see. That's how like realities are shaped. So AI impact is such an opportunity for everyone to come together, all these different diverse voices to be heard, and we get to shape, well, what do we want? Here's what's available. Where are we going? What do we want? And then we can make it happen. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And it looks like we're just about out of time. Before we wrap up, is there one thing that you can share with our listeners that you hope they'll take away from our conversation and apply in their work for learning and development and with their learners? Yeah. So whether you're creating something or you're learning something, I would say that your best idea is beyond your wildest imagination, which means you haven't even imagined it yet. So the minute you imagine it, consider that that's your starting point and take it right over the edge, over the rainbow. Where you think you want to go is not the end, it's the beginning. So from there, expand out. And that's where the true genius comes in. That's where you start to rediscover trust in your creative self, in your intuition, in your internal guidance, because it's beyond what you've thought of. So it's getting outside of all the data that you've got in your head, all our thoughts that we currently know, it's moving into something you don't know yet. And you don't know what that is because how could you? Because it's beyond. So that sounds vague and it is. So when you're in that vague liminal space of possibilities, allowing for that spaciousness, that's where the future gets created. So spend time accessing beyond thought. Oh, thank you. And I think... That is a really good takeaway for our listeners to think about. And AI allows us now to go beyond what we've done before. So I think it's really exciting what the future will bring and how we fuse our own unique genius with AI to be able to come up with some of these things. Thank you so much for joining me as a guest today. And thank you to everybody for listening. And you can catch our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Ew. Gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products.